Are you ready to connect? This is the Empower Connection Podcast, where we empower our listeners to connect more fully to themselves, to each other, and to something greater. We do this with the help of myself and special guests, including healers, coaches, artists, seekers, and those on a healing journey of self-growth. Welcome. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Empowered Connection Podcast. This is your host, Damodar Cordua, relationship coach and life coach. And I'm here, we're here on this podcast to give you some tips, some tools, some perspectives, some practices, some strategies, some frameworks, some stories, some real life experiences around how you can connect better to yourself, to know yourself to explore who you really are, to explore your limitations, the stories that are holding you back, and to explore greater possibility, and to also more successfully, deeply, and powerfully connect you to other people, connect you to your most loved ones, connect you to your friendships, connect you to your coworkers, connect you to this world in a way that allows you to be more conscious and empowered in that connection. Relationships are such a a hairy place, right? They're a difficult terrain when we start to really reckon with them. But at the same time, as we talk about a lot in this podcast, they are a mirror that shows us where our limitations are, what we need to work on, and actually where our strengths are and where our authentic self lies. So if you are an individual, if you are in a partnership, if you are a dyad, like a brother, Uh, and sister, a mother and daughter, and you're looking to move through and go deeper into some of the themes that I just talked about that this podcast explores, then reach out to me. I would be so honored and so grateful and so inspired to be part of your journey for some time, to give you some accountability, to give you some follow through, to support you and to challenge you to grow to let you, allow you to face the things that you wouldn't face otherwise, if you're in a partnership, to bring you and your partner into a safe space where you can really do some work to bring your partnership to the next level, to its highest potential. Coaching work does not mean that there's something, quote unquote, wrong with us, me, or the relationship. It just means there might be a few roadblocks that on my own, I'm having a hard time navigating, maybe some help maybe some assistance, maybe someone holding my hand for a few weeks, for a few months, for part of the year can help me break through to the other side and can give me more tools and perspectives that otherwise I just wouldn't be aware of. And that's kind of what we want to do in this podcast. So it's a good segue to today's solo episode. And this is a continuation from the last solo episode, which was number 50. And this one is conflict part two conflict. And I was just in conflict with my loved one today. And still with all the practices that I bring into my life, it was still a struggle, but I was happy that I had something in that toolbox to go to, even when it seems so difficult. And in that time that it just took me to go to that toolbox and find that tool and implement it, it gave me and our relationship so much possibility. Just in that moment when it could have really ruined my day my partner's day, and maybe some other people's day that uh, that we are in connection with. So that's why I'm so passionate about this because I see it in my own life. And then I, I, I'm so grateful to be able to witness it 
in the lives of my clients. All right. So having said all that, this podcast episode is about traversing another person's triggers. So the episode 50 was about conflict and learning to be with and navigate our triggers. And this is a podcast about traversing and navigating someone else's triggers. So before we even dive in, step one is to listen to podcast 50 if you haven't. So it'd be great to go back and listen to that episode or listen to it again. And this is going to start to set your body, nervous system, and mind up to be more present for another person's triggered state. So the last episode, number 50, will actually help you when you're dealing with your own triggered state to prepare you, get you ready to deal with someone else's. Super important because learning to regulate your nervous system allows you to have capacity to be with another person's intense experience. This is this is clutch. Navigating your own triggers, your own intense experience, being with it will, will is the key. It's the only way that you can then bridge that to being with someone else's intense experience. And this is the first place we want to start. If you're practicing creating more bandwidth and more spaciousness to be with another person's triggers, but notice that you still cannot, that you're still being activated. One of the simplest and most potent practices, which I actually exercise today in a conflict with my loved one, <laughs> is to remove yourself from the situation and then work on coming back to center. Real important. Just, just remove, notice I'm offline. This is not going anywhere. And how can I just remove myself from the situation? And that might mean coming back in five minutes, in 15 minutes, in a couple hours, in 24 hours, in some reasonable time frame. Your goal is to become more agile here. So in practicing moving away from the conflict and being with yourself, over time, we want to become more agile and bring that self-regulating practice into a shorter time span of availability. Meaning, okay, I can actually, I'm offline. I'm not here. My window of availability just really shortened and I'm triggered. I'm defensive. I can go outside. I can remove myself for five minutes and tune into myself and do some of the practices we're going to talk about today and then come back. That could be a goal. How can I repair and reconnect a little bit more quickly? So this involves making a personal declaration to your own self or to your loved one, to someone maybe who can hold you accountable, can be a bear witness to me, to your cat, to your dogs, to, to the universe, to the world, scream it from the rooftops, that you want to become a relational warrior and be with your own intense feelings on a regular basis. I have to remind myself every day that I want to be a relational warrior and I want to be with my own intense feelings on a regular basis. And remember, as I said a moment ago, if you cannot be with your own intense emotions and triggers, you will never be able to be with someone else's, right? And some of us might have learned this at a very early age. Maybe our caregivers couldn't be with our intense emotional experience. So we decided that we had to deal with that differently, hide from it, distract away from it, push it down, etc. Once you have that spaciousness to be with another person's emotional upset and intensity, there are some great exercises and frameworks to next keep in mind. And this is what we're going to go over today. If you want to dial in in an ongoing regular way and create more mastery over time in order to empower yourself relationally as an individual or a couple, please reach out to me personally. So if this is turning you on here, you're getting a little excited by the potential of what we're talking about, and you want to really 
become agile and practice and be held accountable and transform, I would love to connect with you. But for now, as I always say, to take a little dip in, right, to, to bring maybe that next finger, little toe into that water of your potential here, let's go to step one. So step one in traversing someone else's triggers is to make another personal declaration that in this training to become a relational warrior, you're taking a stance to be with not just your emotional, intense emotional experience, but with another's intense emotional experience and triggers on a daily basis. I have to remind myself this a lot, <laughs> that this is your worldview now. This is your outlook, right? This You are a warrior. You're seeing your landscape, the topography through this lens. Furthermore, and this is the difficult growth edge, you will see another's intense emotions as an opportunity for you to explore that edge of how much space you can cultivate within yourself to be with them and the boundaries you need in order to do so. This exploration will also allow you to see when you cannot be with another's triggers or that when being with another's triggers is actually creates an unhealthy relationship dynamic, one you are looking to move on from. This is all part of the journey. So being with another's intense emotions also involves standing for it in such a way that we're really deciding the boundaries within which we can do so. Because maybe being with someone's intense emotional experience ends up becoming toxic or manipulative or unhealthy or even harmful. So that's the kind of preface warning here is that we want to tune in and this should help us see that. So just put that in the back of your mind as well. This is not a blank slate to say, well, just be with everybody's experience, no matter what it is. No, because some could cross a boundary that is unhealthy. And if you want to know if you're having a hard time navigating what that boundary is, if you're like, well, I'm not sure if this is unhealthy. I, I don't know. I can't gain perspective on it. Again, reach out to me and we can hold more space for that and really navigate. Are you able to be more present here? Or actually is this space, if you're more present in it, potentially harmful? Okay. Now step two. Step two is to offer them, once you're able to be present with their emotional experience, uh, have some of that spaciousness and capacity to offer them these four relational needs. This is uh, one of my teachers has taught me this, and I really love these four emotional needs. I really want to borrow that from him. And they are, we can ask them in a question form, do they, does the other person feel emotionally safe with me right now? Do they feel seen and understood by me right now? Do they feel soothed by me right now? And do they feel supported by me and challenged in a way that can help us reconnect. For someone very intimately close to us, like a partner, family member, or close friend, we may have built up information over time in relationship with them that clues us into the answers to these questions, meaning we may know them well enough to offer that need without having to ask them, right? You've been with someone for some years, you, you start to know intuitively what, what makes them feel safe and what doesn't, what makes them feel supported or seen and what doesn't, right? But if we aren't sure what can allow that other person to feel safe, seen, soothed, and supported, we can do two other things. One is to start to consciously tune in and observe what gives them these needs, what things, actions, statements, energy from yourself, et cetera, allows them to feel safe, seen, soothed, and supported, especially if you're in a partnership. For those of you who are listening to this um, and you're in 
you're, you're part of a, a partnership in a couple. I recommend to study your partner in a regular way in order to get keen on what allows these four needs to manifest in their body, nervous system, and mind. Become a student of your partner. Watch them. Start to notice when they're on and offline, when they are triggered, and what things allow them to feel grounded. Like I, I study my wife a lot, and I, I know, I know what allows her to feel grounded. So if I'm watching her and noticing and being with her triggeredness, I can move into, I can suggest, I can bring forward something that I know can help her ground in the moment because I've seen it over time. I've seen her soothe herself through grounding exercises and I've seen it between us over time. So I can clue in. So that's a great thing. And and another teacher of mine, Stan Tacken, really recommends this. How can I become much more aware? Let me know the physiology, know how my partner when and how they feel connected or and regulated versus dysregulated. And then number two of step two, or I should say part B, we'll call it A and B, not to confuse you. So B, in addition to observing and tuning in, explicitly ask them both in the moment of being triggered and also when they are not in a triggered state, what helps them feel these four needs. So in addition to studying them, paying attention and tuning in, just ask them, what what makes you feel, what allows you to feel, I should say, supported? What allows you to feel seen? What allows you to feel safe? This not only gives you more information to navigate their triggered state, but this is cool. It also opens up an exploration for them to become more emotionally aware, intelligent, and empowered because they're having to think about the question you just asked because they actually might not be thinking about it otherwise. They might just be spiraling into a triggered state. So that gives them some space to reflect, oh, what do I need right now? In fact, in them answering those questions of what you can give them, they also might start answering them for their own self and giving those needs to their own self during those moments of emotional dysregulation and intensity as well. So it's sort of like a subtle kind of under the radar teaching moment and exploration moment for them. All right, step three in being with someone else's triggered state, practice empathy, 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 empathy. This is just such a big practice. It's talked about by, by all you know spiritual teachers, I, I think really around the globe through many traditions. And it's also a really key part to emotional awareness and dealing with interpersonal relationships, dynamics, and conflict. Because once you can hold space for yourself, and you're in that place and be empathetic to your own experience, practice putting yourself then in the other person's shoes and imagining what it might be like for them as they experience this trigger or intense emotion. What is it like for them? This is also maybe part and parcel. Empathy is part and parcel of that sort of studying the other person, being aware of you know what does make them feel seen, safe, soothed, and supported. Knowing them intimately as a loved one Knowing some of their history, their patterns, their stories, et cetera, what might they be feeling right now? Knowing some of that, knowing you know they have a pattern of this or knowing they had this happen to them when they were younger. This is why I always lead clients, especially couples, into some relational blueprint work so they can become more aware of each other's blueprints and, and have empathy when they come up now in the moment, something from years ago. 
even if they aren't someone very close to you, you can still zoom out and imagine what might this person be going through. I practice this. I kind of like mess around with this in my own head when I'm out in public and I witness some stranger, some people like, you know, in a grocery store or something overreacting or becoming really reactionary to their kids, to a spouse, or even to like the cashier at the checkout. And I think, well, I, I, because a part of me is, is judging them. Oh, look at, the, look at these people. Like, why are they so upset? Like, can't they, can't they like, get their shit together? <laughs> but then I check myself and I start to say, okay, what might they be going through right now? What difficulty might they be having? Um, when I look at them, what could, what could I imagine? Now, this not, might not be the truth of their experience, but it does allow me to zoom out and hold some space of compassion for the possibility of not knowing what might have brought them to this difficult emotional space. Actually, a great example of this is like driving a car. And, you know, if someone's like, you know, blazing past you in a panic and driving like a an a-hole and, and you just start to like judge and get triggered by them. But imagine just to hold space for possibility of where they might be coming from if they were actually rushing a loved one to the hospital. Would you feel the same way? So this is just a cool practice that I really recommend. Can I exercise compassion for what might be behind this triggered state or intense emotion of this stranger in front of me, of this person here? Can I hold space for myself enough to have the capacity to also put myself in this other person's position? Okay, moving on. Almost through now. Number four, outside of all the above and in addition to all the above, offer the other person a simple, gentle reassurance. Do not start, though, by trying to fix them, rescue them, distract them, or push their experience under the rug. Real important. Offer them a gentle reassurance, but don't follow it by, why don't you do this? How about we do that? Or you know, some red herring that tries to distract them away from their experience. Okay, Really important. So some examples of this are stating something like, I am here for you. I can feel your upset, and I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just right here if you need me. If you need anything, let me know. Otherwise, I can just be here for you energetically. Or you could ask, do you need advice or a solution? Or would you rather me just be present and listen? So you're checking in. Do you want advice? You're giving them an, an option to explore. And they might be too triggered to explore this. But Or would you rather me just be here? If they don't know, if they're so triggered, they'll probably just say, oh, just be here, right? So again, be aware if you slip into a tone of voice or a verbiage that starts to compromise them feeling safe, seen, soothed, and supported, or if you automatically, I'm raising my hand right now, if you're watching a video, start to try to fix them so that no one has to be with this uncomfortability. Okay, This happens a lot. This is a very real default for many of us and a default that often creates, ironically, more conflict less understanding and less connection when we can't be with the uncomfortability and we just want to solve it. And this is something that could be a case by case, but if you're with a family member, a good friend or a partner, you might also want to add in physical touch when you're offering gentle reassurance, like I'm here for you and a touch or uh, softly gazing at them in the eyes softly, right? And if it's too much, a touch or a gaze in the eyes, then uh, that's something you also want to study with your loved one. Maybe when they're very triggered, touch or gazing at them is too intense. Maybe they'd rather you kind of be in their in the side view, 
mirror, so to speak. But for other people, touch, grounding touch and soft spaciousness within our gaze and within our physiology, our body can be really helpful and grounding, but that's something for you to explore. All right. Finally, the the last and, and next step is about moving into an active and reflective listening practice. So after we go through these first four steps, we can start to possibly move into listening deeply, active and reflective listening, wherein we can consciously get the world of this other person. I talk about some of this practice in podcast episode number seven. Wow, that seems like a long time ago now, already on number 52, I think, of this podcast. But to get started with it a little bit here in this podcast, what you would do is continue to bring yourself into a state of real openness in your physiology and your window of availability with them to be with, quote unquote, and then bring in curiosity. I just want to be real curious here to hear them fully and not my own projection or story about what they're experiencing, to hear them, not my story or projection. Listen super closely, like you're trying to get every flavor and detail of their experience. Like I would imagine people do it like a wine tasting, right? They just try to get every little note, complexity, finish. So just imagine that's what you're doing with them. Like how can I really notice what they're saying here? And then as you hear it, listen close and repeat back what you heard in your own words. Real simple, real powerful. And then check in after you repeat back in your own words what you said. Ask them, did I get you? Is there anything else you want to add? Do you need to clarify what you said? Am I hearing you? So I explore this with my clients a lot, this listen, listening exercises, and it's been transformational in my life and in my client's life. So th this is a little tidbit, a little taste of it. And uh, when I'm working with clients, we hone in on this practice over time, right? This is why it's so important because these things don't come automatically. In fact, it's like building, uh, I use athletics a lot as an analogy, not because I'm like a rabid sports fan, although my wife would disagree with that. She would say that I do like sports, but I don't think I'm that much of a sports fan. But because we can see that like in sports, all of a sudden things that are difficult when practiced over time, we start they start to become more second nature. And, and this is the same thing. We're training our nervous system and actually creating new uh, neural pathways so that we can move uh, from the front of our brain rather than the back of our brain. And we talk a little bit about the neurobiology in the last podcast. And again, we might go deeper in in a future podcast, but it gives us, brings us to a space in our nervous system and our mind, which is more available and has more options for the success of myself and the other person the success of the team that we are, the team, like we're here for us both to be successful and for the team, that unit, which we create together to be successful and listening, uh, learning to listen and learning to communicate more consciously is so, so important. So if you feel like you're having a hard time, not only listening and really, really getting someone, but communicating with a loved one, with a partner, with someone at work, with a, with a coworker, with a close friend, with a family member, a, a relationship coaching package or journey could be and will be very illuminating and empowering for you. I'm excited to offer these tips and I'm excited to maybe work with you one day soon if you decide to reach out. Look at the show notes for more details. Your first session is 30 minutes discovery session and it's free. We can just talk some more, get to know you, get to know your journey. And otherwise, if you want more tips on a daily basis, I put out a lot of content, 
uh, on Instagram. So at empowerconnection.me, you'll find a lot of inspirational videos and quotes and writings that can help you improve your connection to yourself and to loved ones. And finally, stay tuned for a few special workshops and a group coaching community that is on the burner that is about to be created pretty, pretty soon so that all of us can connect on a monthly basis and move through some of these tools and practices together and just get to know each other and support each other on a path of consciousness, connection, communication, emotional intelligence, and self-growth. So look out for that coming soon and stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be a great, I mean, I think they're, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty stoked for 2023. I think there's going to be a lot of great interviews. So please stay with us on the podcast. And of course, if you love it, give us a five-star rating, a few words of encouragement, really helps us reach more people and share it with a loved one. Thanks for some of your time. Stand for being a relational warrior. Stand for right now, step-by-step step today. With every move I make, with every step I take, I'm going to connect deeper to myself. And through that connection, I'll have more ability to connect with others. And then also through both of those connections, connecting to something even bigger within myself and within this world, within this universe, within this cosmos today. <laughs>